Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Everybody, our final week in the book of Joshua. How many actually read the book of Joshua? You cracked it open. You try. How many got to that like about about two thirds through? It got really boring, didn't it? Like, and this guy gets that land, and this guy gets that. It just anyway, that's why I told you I tried to prepare. You could skip that part, um, but but there's some incredible pieces to this book of Joshua. And just so you know, to them that whole part about who got what land that was incredibly important to them. That needed to be in there for them, but not so maybe much for you and I. But the whole book of Joshua again is not just a historical account, right? It's not just about Joshua and these people back then doing something over there. The Bible was not written that way. It was not just historical, but it was revelatory. It was not just about like, because sometimes we read the Bible and we think, oh, that's all history. Or you go to the book of Revelation and you think, oh, that's all the future. And then you forget to read the Bible for the now. And the reality is, is the Bible was written in such a unique and divine and Holy Spirit inspired way that it was written for you now. And so when you look at the book of Joshua, it's not about people trying to overcome their issues. It's about you overcoming your issue. So, so Joshua begins needing to overcome his own insecurity as he stands in the shadow of Moses, the greatest leader who ever lived. And then, of course, looking at this promised land full of giants and fortified cities, he had to overcome. He had to overcome eventually a walled city named Jericho. They had to eventually overcome their own sin and disobedience and figure out how does that work. And then lastly, today we look at like a really, really cool story where it's, it's him against just incredible odds. Like the, the, the chips are stacked against him. It doesn't look good. It's all kinds of bad, but there's so much good insight for your life and my life. So let's pray before we dive into the scriptures today. Bow your heads with me one more time, please. God, we pray that God, as we open up this holy book, that you would speak to us. As we look into the history, God, that you would speak into our now, that Lord God, we would be challenged God, but we would be refreshed. We would be encouraged, Lord God. We pray that you would speak to us today, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible, go to Joshua chapter 10 as we look at this kind of new and fascinating story. And, and this one, again, if, you, if you've never heard it, there's really one key point to this story that stands out. So if you kind of grew up around church a little bit, there's this really crazy part where Joshua is in battle and he prays, Lord, make the sun stand still so I can keep pursuing my enemies. And that's kind of like the, really the, the hinge that the whole story swings on. I think it's a big climactic moment. Like Joshua stops and it's like, God, will you make the sun stand still? And God actually, in some way or another, somehow honors his prayer. But again, there's more to the story than just that. And so let's dive into the scripture. Joshua 10, verse number one. There's, a, by the way, a bunch of people with weird names and weird cities, and we'll, we'll get through that. So let's go. The Bible says, now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. And that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai, and all of its men were good fighters. Now, let's pause real quick here. The reason why these guys get upset, so if you know the story we're tracking here, we know that Joshua and the Israelites go into the, the land of Canaan is what it's called at that point in time. And there's all these different tribes and city-states and all these different... Every city was its own little mini king and kingdom, and they had their own deal. And so that's why you see, like, every city has its own king. So the king of Jerusalem, the king of Eglon, the king of all these weird names. And what happens is, is that this guy recognizes 
The Israelites are going to just tear through everything. They already took Jericho, and that was like the big dog. And then they took over Ai, and that was a pretty big place. And, and then now this is the key, the key part of the story that you don't know unless you know geography. So quick moment of nerdy geography. Are you ready? Okay, let's do it like this. How many of you ever played Risk? Remember the board game Risk? Okay, so like my son just reintroduced me to Risk all over again, right? And so if you know anything about Risk, you got your troops and you're trying to move them around and then you're trying to just dominate other people. This is not unlike Risk because the key to Risk is like getting these like beachheads and strongholds in like just two or three places and dumping all of your troops there, right? Because if all their troops are there, nobody can get in, nobody can get out, that kind of thing, right? That's what Josh was doing. He's playing a big game of literal Risk, Except it is, is all real. And so what he does is, is he takes over Jericho. That was that big walled city. Well, here's what you don't know if you don't know geography. Is that on the right, you had basically the River Jordan Plains. On the left, you had the, the, the coastal plains that ran up next to the Mediterranean. In the middle, you had mountains. So how many of you know like places like this were built on like trade and travel and commerce and movement? Well, Jericho, see, they had to like get over the mountain. And you know, when you, all you do is walk, before the Romans built great roads, all you could do is walk. And whenever you were walking, you always walked kind of the path of least resistance, right? And so they had these pathways through the mountains. Well, on the east, Jericho controlled the entry point into the plains and into the mountains. And on the left or on the west side of the mountains, it was Gibeon that controlled everything that went into the plains or went back into the mountains. So in essence, if Israel controls Jericho and Gibeon, they can control all of the trade, all of the travel, and all of the commerce. So all these kings are flipping out. They're like, holy, they're going to take over. They have just won the game of risk because they took Jericho and then they made allies with these people called Gibeon. Now they're going to control everything. And so these guys get into a panic. Are you tracking right now? Okay, nerdy geography done. So, verse number three says this. So, so Adonai Zedek, Zedek, I can't say his name right, the king of Jerusalem, he appealed to Hoham and, and Piram and Jaffe and Debir. And what he has said was, um, come up and help me attack Gibeon because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Let's keep reading. Then the five kings of the Amorites. So you got five kings, right? Five city-states, five kings, they're all mad. So the five kings, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, Eglon. I'll need to get better names. They j- then you say Livermore. <laughs> we are all, who knows? They all joined forces and they moved up with all their troops and took positions against Gi- Everybody say Gibeon. So did they go attack Israel? No, they didn't attack Israel. Who did they go attack? Gibeon. Now, here's one of the big points of the story that you need to be so careful of. If you're taking notes, just a huge idea on like how you overcome incredible odds. Number one is this, be careful of your alliances. Like you need to be like really careful about who you hitch your wagon to, who you connect with, who your roll dogs are, who your partners in life are, who you date, who you, like how many of you know like our relationships matter in life because Joshua is thrown into this crazy situation where it's him versus five other kings and it's not because they attacked him it's because of an alliance that he made now here's the crazy part we didn't read this but a a couple chapters earlier this is what happens the Gibeonites are so smart they recognize that Israel is just kind of whooping everybody and so they're like well we don't want them to whoop us 
So we're going to go trick Joshua into like making a covenant with us. So this is literally what they do. They're just 18 miles away. They're not far away at all. But what they do is they put on tattered clothes and worn out shoes. And they come and meet Joshua and they say, oh, Joshua, you're the best. You're awesome. And we heard about how awesome you are. And, and so because you're so awesome, we want to hook up with you. And we came from really, really, really far away because you're super special. And that's what they do. They come and throw this huge kind of like, you know, showering praise on Joshua and the Israelites. And they lied and said they were from really, really far away. They just came to connect and hook up and partner with the Israelites. And so Joshua was told by the Lord, when you go into the land of Canaan, don't make partnerships. These are ungodly people. These are not your people. These are not, this is not who you partner in life with. And what does Joshua do? He ignores what God told him and said, oh, but you know, these people, they have bad clothing and jacked up shoes. And they came a really long way. I, I, they had kind of like this broken hearted kind of moment for the Gibeonites. And Joshua later finds out, you guys are just over the hills, you jerks, you lied to me. And the Gibeonites were like, yeah, we know we lied. That's so we could live. <laughs> it was brilliant for the Gibeonites. Like they were just trying to, sur- as a matter of fact, you ever watch Survivor? I used to watch Survivor like back like Remember, babe, we would be in the apartment in Michigan on the floor because we didn't have furniture and our TV was on the floor because we, we just, anyway, we were young kids. And, and so, but we would watch Survivor every single week. Do you remember that? And you would always want to record friends on the other channel while me and all my little, I had like a whole youth group in my apartment. And we would watch Survivor and we thought Survivor, this is like when Survivor was fresh though. I have no idea what it's like now. But, but basically like, that's how, remember how Survivor worked? It was like two different camps and you were like trying to win immunity you're just trying to survive you're trying to live and then you know what the key to really surviving and getting ahead in the game was it was your alliances you knew that if you partnered with these people and these people you could skate through and then your your hope was is to skate through it to the end and get as close to the end as you can and then stab them in the back and then you jump ahead that's the that's that was the game that was how in that how, is it how it still works i haven't watched in years but my point is, is that life is likened unto that, that, that sometimes what happens is, is because you're hurting or struggling or needy or you don't, and you just start making random alliances. And what you don't know is, is that these alliances are going to come back to bite you in the end. The whole reason that Joshua has to fight five kings at one time is because of a poor alliance that he made, an ungodly alliance that he made. So it, it, listen, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. The quality and direction of your life is determined by your relationships. Let me say it again. The quality and direction of your life is determined by your relationships. Starting with your relationship with Jesus, it determines the direction and the quality. And then it comes down to like, who are your buddies? Who are your friends? Again, who do you date? Who do you marry? Who do you hitch your life to? Think about this. This is why the apostle Paul took time to say, do not be unequally yoked with people who don't share your faith. Don't hitch your life to people who don't have the same loves that you have, the same values that you have, the same level of integrity that you have. You don't hitch your wagon to those people because at the end of the day, light does not actually fellowship with darkness and righteousness doesn't fellowship with unrighteousness. You see why he would say don't hitch your life? Solomon said it even maybe more profoundly because he said it like this. He said, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools is destroyed. So like just by being around smarter, wiser people, godlier people, that stuff is like osmosis. It just rubs off on you somehow. 
And, and, and you would think for a moment that maybe the opposite would true, that, that, that if you were around dumb people, that that would rub off and you would become dumber. And that's not true. It doesn't say that if you hang out with dumb people, you get dumber. It says that if you hang out with dumb people, you reap the whirlwind of their drama. That literally their crazy, their destruction, their mess, their foolishness ends up getting around you in life. Like, like here's another thought. Like think about all of your relationships and know this. All relationships operate as doors and windows in your life. So, so think now. Every relationship becomes a door and becomes a window because certain people are doors that open up your life to like better opportunities, to better things. And other relationships, when you think about the negative ones in your life, they literally blocked you, locked you, and closed you. It kept you from something. Sometimes it was a window that allowed something to creep from their life up into your life because it was an open window. And so start examining your relationship because the whole mess begins because Joshua made a poor alliance. Let's keep reading. So the Bible says in verse 6 that the Gibeonites, these people that tricked Joshua. Now, here's the deal. When they tricked Joshua, Joshua eventually found out and he was angry. And he said, but because I made a covenant with you, I won't break that. But y'all are going to be woodcutters for us. <laughs> so that's how he did it. So he decided, hey, I'm keeping the partnership, even though y'all are liars, because I'm a man of my word. So he says this, he says, the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. That'll be important later. We might have to talk geography one more time. But do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us, exclamation point. Ah, that's like, help us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. And then the Lord said to Joshua, listen to this, this is huge. Whenever the Lord speaks, dial into this. This is where you underline, this is where you highlight. Listen to what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Now, number two idea is this, if you want to overcome incredible odds, like big impossibilities. Number two is this, is never let the odds discourage your faith. Like, just be aware that, like, your carnal mind wants to deal with the odds. And at some point, practically, you might want to go there, but don't, don't worry about your faith going there just yet. Because here's the deal. Whatever it was that Joshua lacked in resources, you'll see that he made up for it with the presence of God. So, like, you never look at the odds. You ever, you ever go to the doctor and you or a loved one have gotten that bad report? And they say, oh, well, the odds are this. You maybe have this many months, this many years to live. The odds of you overcoming this. You ever, like I have a buddy whose mom is in cancer treatment right now. And you know what they give her? They give her odds. And all I'm telling you is, is like, don't let the odds discourage you. Here's why this is so important that you don't play. Now, if you go to Vegas, you, you odds. <laughs> or don't go to Vegas. But, did you, amen. Um, my wife hates Vegas. Anyway, um, the, the odds are something you play in Vegas. They're not something you play with your life when God's trying to do something in you and you know that like it's life and death or God is with you. When it comes to your faith, don't let your faith work into the odds. Here's why. To an infinite God, all impossibilities are equal. Like, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever hear scientists talk about what it took for the Big Bang to occur at the moment that it happened when all of space and time and material began at a singular 
point. Like they talk about the odds of that happening are, you know, and that's why we believe in the existence of God to begin with, because the odds are so incredible. Who else could pull that off? But like you start thinking about these insurmountable odds. Well, God can handle those odds because to an infinite God, all impossibilities, they're the same. Like to the, to the infinite God, all miracles are the same. You ever thought about this before? Like remember the story where God fed 5,000 people and we think, oh my gosh, what an incredible story God fed 5,000 people. Well, let me ask you a question. He took, remember if you took, what do you take? Five pieces of bread and two fish, right? And then he multiplied it, fed 5,000 people, and then had 12 doggy bags left over. That's the story. Now, let me ask you a question. If God took five loaves and two fishes and just made 10 loaves and four fishes, would that be a miracle? Yeah, because nobody can do that, right? I've never been able to do that, right? Like, like so it's, it's, it's an impossibility to take five loaves and make 10 loaves or to make two fish into four. That's impossible, right? It's a miracle. But to God, does it matter if he makes five into 10 or five into 10,000? Because it's all a miracle, isn't it? It's, it's all in the realm of impossibility. Like in the Old Testament, God makes an axe head float. And we think, okay, well, an axe head, you know, that weighs about 10 pounds. That's incredible. But then later in the New Testament, he makes a man walk on water. So if you can make an axe head float, then you can make a man float. Like it's, it, at some point, you're just dealing with the realm of crazy impossibilities. And to an infinite God, it's all the same. And so my point is, is that if it's all the same to God, if he can cure a cold or he can cure cancer, it, it, it's kind of all the same. It's not like, oh my God, and like one is so much bigger to God than the other one. So like, just don't let your odds get caught up in the moment. Let's keep reading here. Verse number nine says this. It says, after an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So all those five kings and five armies, the Lord somehow threw them into confusion before Israel so that Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to that place and the other place. They, it's all west. I'll tell you that in a second. As they fled before Israel on the road down to that other place, to the other place, the Lord then hurled, this is crazy, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and, none of, and, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. So like here the battle begins, and it's crazy, but I want you to focus on one key point here, one key thought here, and, and this is the thought. The promises of God are not just given, they're seized. It's so important that you understand that. You, how many of you want God to do something in your life? How many of you want God to answer your prayers? You want God to come through. You want to hang on the promises of Scripture and believe that God's going to bless you. God's going to heal you. God's going to give you breakthrough. God's going to save your kids. God's going to get, you're going to get that thing that you need. You're going to overcome in life. These are all the different promises of God that we talk about throughout Scripture. We all want those in our life, but many times what we do is, is we sit back and we just say, God, I really want those. But then we don't do anything because we expect the promises of God to show up like Santa Claus would on Christmas Day, shoot down a chimney and surprise us while we're sleeping. And that is not how the promises of God are obtained. They're not just necessary. They're, they're given by God, but they're seized by you. And I'll prove it to you. Watch this. In verse 8, the Bible says that God had already given them. Does that make sense? So there's something in the language there that's past tense. So what he's saying is, is the promise has already been given. But in verse 9, it says that they marched all night. Well, which one was it? You, what, what the Bible was saying was, is that they were 18 miles away and God gave it to them. 
but then they had to march all night to go get it. So the question I have for you is this, and this is the question you need to wrestle with. What do you need to do to kickstart the miracle that God wants to accomplish in your life? Because the promise is hanging out there for you, but you need to seize it. There's something that you need, like I talk to people all the time, they're like, pastor, this is going on with our finances and this is where we're at in debt. And it's like, okay, well, have you gone through Financial Peace University? Like, have you taken steps? Have you tried, you know, it's like, God I, God, I really want you to heal my marriage. My wife is crazy. Would you please help her? Or my husband is nuts. Would you please take him from the earth or whatever your prayer is? And so, not that one, but like good things. And you pray, but then it's like, okay, but have you been to marriage counseling? And, and actually done what the counselor said to, had said to do. So we think about like, like some of us have like health issues and we believe so hard like God can heal. We believe God can, but then like God's looking for you to, to, to march all night long for 18 miles. He wants you to march and go seize it because if God, if you want God to heal you in your physical body, but you keep treating your physical body like, like a trash can and just loading up with all kinds of garbage in it, then even if God healed you, you'd be right back to where you were in six more months because you haven't changed how you it just got real up in here. I'm just telling you that I want you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed. I think deep in your heart you want to be blessed, but those promises and those blessings, they're not just going to fall in your lap. They're given by God, but they must be seized by you. So that, that was good. That was good. Um, I'll amen myself. Y'all are sweet. Um, so, so let's keep going. So watch this. So remember, like they show up, God does something incredible. Because how many know, like, if there were five armies, it says that he marched all night. So is it light out or is it dark out? It's dark out. They got there early in the morning. And then all of a sudden, you're camped up with five other armies that in the past, you've had battles with, probably. In the past, you've had skirmishes and turf wars with these guys. But now you're banding together because of the Israelites. And now in the middle of the night, stuff starts getting thrown and arrows start coming in and you start hearing commotion. And what do you do? You're like, holy crap, it's going down. And so you just, they start fighting each other. So God brings confusion. And then the Israelites storm in. There's a battle that takes place. They're in total chaos. And then on their running out of the territory, like they run into a hailstorm. And they, anyway, it's all 10 different kinds of bad. This is how the story continues, though. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. This is the, this is the moment right here. This is like your brave heart moment. Big speech time. There's some music in the background. It's epic. Sun stands still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of that place over there. And that's his prayer. It's only 13 words, but it's recorded in the Bible. Like it's this epic, cool, huge prayer. Now, again, when you think about geography, that we know they marched all night, 18 miles. Um, through, through hill country, they get there early in the morning when it's dark. And when he says sun stands still over Gibeon, Gibeon is in the east. And when he says moon stands still over the other place, that's in the west. And so what I, this is the, like different guys debate. There's different ways to interpret this. Some people to interpret this as a, like the basic way of saying the sun was in the air and Joshua just needed all kinds of daylight so he could keep whooping them dudes, right? That's like the basic understanding. Another understanding is that if the sun is over Gibeon, then it's actually over the mountains in the east and has not come up over the mountains just yet. So like we had a surprise attack in the dark. Let's keep the surprise attack going. The other thing is, is that once the, once the, the bad guys gave chase, they went west. 
Now, have you ever like tried to like do anything productive while looking into the sun? So think about this. You're running west. Your enemies are on your tail. If you turn to fight and the sun is coming up over the mountains, what are you looking at? You're staring into the sun. The other day I got invited to go play golf and I'd never, I'd never been on this practice range before in the morning. And I'm like, I'm up there. I'm like the only one on the practice range and I'm up in the morning. And this practice, I was like, who designed this? This is awful. The practice range early in the morning faces absolutely east. So every time I go to swing and hit a ball, like I look up and bam, I'm right into the sun. I have no idea where my ball goes. I played terrible that day. So the point is, is like anytime you're like looking into the sun, it's just really, really hard. So I want you to get your mind wrapped around this idea of like, man, the sun's coming up. He wants to surprise attack in the dark. He wants the sun in there. I don't even know how this goes. Like some crazy happened. And we know this too. We know that like there's, a, there's like some type of lunar eclipse that happened during that time period. Scientists have figured that out. Like there's just all kinds of cool ways that this could have gone down. I don't know how it went down. I just wasn't there, right? But then I asked myself, okay, rather than trying to figure out the science of what happened, because all they're doing is describing what they experienced, who cares about the science? Here's the question. What was the point of the prayer? You ever think about this? Like, the point of the prayer was simply this. God, help me to finish what you started. That's the point of the prayer. God, help me to finish what you started. Because again, when you go back to seizing those blessings and and overcoming the odds and overcoming the impossibilities, here's what I know about you and here's what I know about life and here's what I know about people is that we sometimes stink at finishing what we started. Like like you ever ever done like New Year's resolution? It's done by February. We had one month, right? I'm gonna read a book uh, every month. And you did like, half a book, you know, like that kind of thing. Or, or, or we do, we, we're like, we have health goals. We have like health issues and we're like, you know what? I got gout, so I'm gonna drink beet juice every day. And like, you, you drink it once and you're like, this tastes like dirt. And, and or you, you know, you have these financial goals and you, and, and this is what I know about people. It's like, I know people that literally they had $20,000 worth of debt and they got focused and they, they got determined and they got a plan in place. And what happens was they went from $20,000 down to, to $2,000. And then somebody invited them to go on a trip. And they never finished what they started. I, I, same, same thing is true. Like I know people that were struggling in their marriage. And then what happened was is they went to like a counseling session. And then two and then three and then four. And then, they, they, and then all of a sudden they stopped. Because they were like, oh, that summer vacation will solve all of our marriage issues. That'll handle it. There's nothing like a beach that will cure my soul. And then you, 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 I guess my point is like, be wary. Like, look at what Joshua was praying. What he was praying was, and I don't know, because like, let's look at the prayer real quick here. You want to do that? Let's look at the prayer. The prayer, I, I want to take a few thoughts out the prayer, because this is what he prayed. He said, sun stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Agilon. I tried to do these names. I'm sorry, people. So, so a couple thoughts on the prayers. Number one is this, is we are not heard because of the length of our prayers, but we're heard because of the depth of our faith. Like 13 words. Some of you get long-winded with your praying. You're wearing Lord out. Okay? Just ask and then be quiet and listen to the Lord's voice. You don't have, and now I'm saying sometimes you got to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. But like, don't think that if you pray really long-winded King James style prayers, that that makes you spiritual. It doesn't. God is looking for the depth of your faith, not the length of your prayer. Number two is this, is that notice Joshua, he didn't get the prayer right, but his heart was right. 
Like he prayed that the Lord, like the sun would stand still. And I don't think he had gone to like, you know, science class in the 21st century where he figured out, well, actually the sun is here and the earth moves around the sun. It's like, it's not even accurate scientifically, is it? We, again, the Bible, if you ever wondered like, why didn't the Bible get science stuff right? It, here, here's your answer. This is what you need to know. The reason why they don't get it right, they don't get it wrong. They just describe what they saw with their eyes. And the reason why the Bible can't use scientific terms is because scientific terms are only relevant to the generation that those terms are relevant to. Like if God used scientific terms for 21st century people, nobody living prior to this time period would understand any of it. It would be so beyond their understanding and so beyond their, their, their definitions and their vocabulary that it wouldn't make any sense. And if God used an even future science, you wouldn't be able to make sense of it now either way. You'd be like, the Bible's dumb. It makes up all kinds of weird stuff. And it's like, no, it's just because science is a language that's built on the, the discovery of the day and the definitions and terms of vocabulary of the day. And so the Bible uses common terms so they just describe what they see. So even though he didn't get the prayer right, I promise his heart was right. Number three is this. As I think his prayer is awesome, and this is why. It's because God honors big prayers. Because big prayers honor God. I never once want you to hesitate praying big prayers. Don't do it. Because I believe God would be more insulted by your small prayers than he would be your big prayers. Like, I don't want you to pray, God, give me a little bit of breakthrough. Pray for the whole thing. Don't pray for just a little bit of impact in life. Pray for it all. Like, go big or go home, right? Like, this is, you want to pray big, audacious prayers, even if, sound, if it sounds as crazy as, Lord, we need millions of dollars to buy this building. Why not? If to the infinite, all impossibilities are equal, I might as well go big. In your life, pray big prayers. I think God honors those because it does reflect the depth of your faith. So again, when you look at this prayer and all that's going on in it, I want you to see this big idea of Joshua's praying, God, help me to finish what I started. Now in life, I don't want you to become those people that get close to the finish line and quit. Like I found a video. Can I show you a video? There's a few of these. If you want to go watch some of these, go YouTube, finish line fails. If you want to laugh. But check out this video. This is what I, I don't want you to do. You ready? Here we go. Yeah, a little early celebration there. All right, so... So what, happened, what, what happens is I'm running the race, but I don't finish strong. Like I'm, I'm winning and I'm not paying attention. I'm not focused. I'm not determined. I'm not finishing strong. And what happens in life is when we don't finish strong, this is what Joshua knew. Listen, please, please, please listen. What Joshua knew is this. If what I don't finish off is not completely taken care of, it will come back to bite me. It will come back to hurt me. I'll come back. There'll be a little bit of seed left in that ground. That thing is going to, them weeds are going to come back. Like, and, and here's, I don't know if you know this or not. The whole book of Judges is based on this idea. Joshua knew that he needed to finish what he started. Now, in just a few chapters, it says that Joshua and Caleb got old. Like, they were like, old, old. And they were like, you know what? We, we're done. We can't do this anymore, but you can. And he told the Israelites, finish what God has started. And they didn't. And you know what happened? 
go just flip forward to the next book of history where you find the book of Judges. And it says this. It says that the people of Israel began to intermingle, began to marry with all these different Canaanite people, began to worship their gods, and they fell into idolatry, and they disobeyed God. And then the whole book of Judges is a series of like them being in disobedience, God judging, and then them repenting. And it just happens over and over and over again. And you know why it happens? It's because they didn't finish what they started. Here, I want you to watch this video clip because this is how I want you to finish well. Check this out. So the thing that I want you to walk away with is this, is that I don't care how you finish. I just care that you finish. And I want you to know that like some of us will be running across that finish line at full strength and everything's good to go. We'll be like the Apostle Paul. We'll be like, I finished the race. I did it. I obeyed the life. I did it. Some of us might come across that finish line limping a little bit. And there are many heroes of the Bible who limped across that finish line. I don't care how you finish. I just care that you finish and that you finish as well and as strong as you possibly can. And if I want you to remember this, if ever there's a point in life where you feel like you can't finish, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who will come down and pick you up and carry you across that finish line. Let's pray this morning. Father, I bless you today and thank you today, God, that we are not alone in this life. We're not trying to overcome enemies and obstacles on our own. You did not set the world in motion and then leave us. 
God, you set the world in motion and then came to be with us. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would feel your strength, that we would feel your presence. Lord God, every time we come up against incredible odds, Lord God, we would hang on to your promises and seize them. That, God, we would pursue you, that we would pray big and bold and audacious prayers. That, Lord God, we would do everything within us to finish well. And, God, whatever it is that we can't muster up in strength and ability, God, well, God, we thank you that your grace kicks in, that your mercy is new for us every day. And that, God, if we can't do it on our own, you will carry us across that finish line. Father, we bless you and praise you today in Jesus' name. And we all said amen to that. Give us, Lord, a big hand clap. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.